0: So, my last name is about as simple as it gets in the English language. Okay, I mean, maybe Smith, but Green is a pretty simple last name for English speakers to spell. Uh, Now, there are two spellings for my last name, Green, in English. One is G R E E N, which is the way that we spell it. Uh, And then there's also G R E E N E. And so, Like lots of you probably over the years, you've had to have a lot of these interactions with someone behind a desk and you're having to give them your name, your number, your social security, all that kind of stuff. And so uh, you kind of learn tricks along the way to help make this process easier for everybody, okay? And so one of the things that I've learned to do over the years is that when I'm giving them my last name, I will oftentimes say, my name is green like the color. Okay, and it seems self-explanatory, you would think, Uh, but uh, so I'll say my name is Green, like the color. Until this one time, this girl goes, "Is that with an e on the end of it?" Uh, You know, and I so I said, "It's like the color," you know. So and she realized what she had said, and so then a lot of times what I'll do, uh, as well, is uh, you know I'll say my name's Green, and they'll say, "Is that with an e on the end of it?" And I'll say. No, my family was the poor greens. We could never afford that extra E uh, on the end like the rich greens could. And, of course, that's a joke. But today I want you to consider your heritage. My family has left me a heritage. They've left me a a physical heritage and my biological makeup that I received from them. Uh, they've given me a, a, a fiscal heritage, a fiscal legacy that hopefully they'll they're they're hoping to leave for myself and my two brothers one day. They've left me an emotional heritage in which they've poured into us over the years and and built us up into uh, the men that we are today. They have left us a spiritual legacy in the church and and in the, the, the heritage that they raised us in, in our home. But when I say today that I want you to consider your heritage, I'm not talking about your family legacy or your family heritage. I don't mean whether your family is from England or from Germany or from Japan or from the Congo I don't mean whether your family is going to leave you a house or some land or some money in a savings account or a business or something like that. The heritage that I am interested in today is the heritage that you have received from Christ. The heritage that you receive, the blessing that you receive as a child in God's household are you going to receive the heritage of the gospel? That's what I want you to think about this morning as we study the book of Galatians and Paul is writing to this church and he's talking to them about the heritage that they are going to receive as children in God's household. So today, what is your heritage? Stand with me in honor of God's word if you're able and turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 4. We're continuing our series called No Other Gospel, and today we're in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 1. Galatians 4.1, the Word of God says, Now I say that as long as the heir is a child, he differs in no way from a slave, though he's the owner of everything. But instead, he's under guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children... We're in slavery under the elements of the world. But when the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then God has made you An heir. Thank you, you may be seated. Today I want us to learn about how we are heirs in Christ. And He is continuing this comparison that He's been making all throughout this letter. And you got to remember that the occasion for this letter was that there was a group of Judaizers who had infiltrated the church there in Galatia, and they were trying to tell them that they weren't they didn't really belong, that they weren't really Christians. They were saying to them things like, it's great that you've trusted in Jesus as your Savior, but in addition to that, if you really want to be saved, in addition to that faith, you've got to do the law. You've got you to observe the law. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to observe the, the festivals. You've got to do all those other things, all these works in addition to faith in order to really be saved. And so Paul has been hammering this point home all throughout the letter, trying to to instruct them that there is no other gospel, but there is one gospel, which is that you trust in Christ by faith, and faith alone in Christ, and Christ alone to save you. And he says all these other things are not the gospel. And so today he's showing them the heritage that comes from the law and the heritage that comes from the gospel. And so we first look at this heritage that comes from the law. And when you choose that path of the law, which is what the Judaizers were trying to get them to do, he says that when you choose this path, you're never set free from the law. You have to constantly and continually try to keep the law because just one slip up of the law and you're done. You have to strive for and you have to achieve perfection. And so it says, if your hope is in the law, then you're going you're gonna to have to go with the law. And the heritage that the law gives is bondage to works. Because that's what it gives to you. Bondage to works. In verse 1, he says, I say that as long as the heir is a child, he differs in no way from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. And so... Paul's bringing them back to this comparison that he made in the previous passage of a child and an adult. And he says that when you are going back to the law, if you have put your faith in Jesus and you're going back to the law like these Judaizers are telling them to do, he says you're like an adult that's reverting back to childhood. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 25, he says, since faith has come, we're no longer under that guardian. Now before Christ... When the law was our guardian, he was pointing us to adulthood. He was pointing us to faith in Jesus. He says, "Before that time, he says we were no different from a slave, because we were enslaved to uh, the law, just like someone who doesn't have faith." And there are a lot of people who choose to walk down this path, this this path of works for their salvation. They try to achieve right standing with God by the things that they do. This might be you this morning, if you were honest. You know, if someone were to come to you and say, you know, are are you going to go to heaven one day? And you'll say, sure I am, because I did this or because I do these things. And if your answer is because I do whatever, then it's the wrong answer. If someone says, Are you will you you know, go to heaven one day? The answer is, yes, because I have faith in Jesus and what he's done. But if your answer is, because I do X, Y, or Z, that's the wrong answer. But a lot of people follow that path. They want a list, and they try to check off the list. There's, who out here likes lists, right? There's a lot of people that like lists, and so... For some people, they feel like spiritually there's this list. I've got to do this and do this and do this and do this, and then I'll be okay. And if that's the case, then your faith is really in what? It's in yourself. It's, it's in what you're able to accomplish. The problem is that if you're walking down this path of, of doing works for your salvation, you have to have blinders to your own failings. You have to try and hide when you don't measure up to the standard. You have to try to deny when you do things wrong. You have to try and justify when you messed up. Because the standard is perfection. And it doesn't matter how good you think you are, you don't measure up. You don't. And because we don't measure up to the standard, what do we do? We move the goalposts. <laughs> and we act like perfection is not the standard. Other people are the standard. And we say things like, Well, I'm farther along than that guy is. And at least I don't do what she does. And you're sort of like that man that Jesus talks about who who points out the speck in your brother's eye but is missing the log that's coming out of your own eye. And we try to play this comparison game. And that was the M.O. of the Pharisees. You see them doing that all the time in the Gospels. They say, well, I'm better than, than they are. I don't do what he does. But the problem is that other people are not the standard by which you are judged. You don't get to heaven one day and God goes, well, you get to come in because you are better than Sally. Sally. You're better than Richard, so come on in. I mean, that's not how it happens. It doesn't matter that you're better than other people. It matters that you're righteous. And you're only declared righteous through faith in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. And that's why Paul would write in Romans 3, verse 28, We conclude... That a person is justified, made right, declared righteous. That he is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. It's our faith in Christ that causes us to be justified, that, that, that God declares us righteous. So Paul continues in this passage in verses 2 and 3 and he says, Instead, he's under guardians, he's under trustees until the time that's set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were in slavery under the elements of the world. Now, in ancient times, uh, the the young boy would have that guardian that the, that his father set over him. We talked about this extensively in our last passage, where this guardian would uh, be with them. They'd give them instructions. They would discipline them. They would grow them in manners and, and, and all those sort of things until that time that they would... Uh, be considered a, a man and he says that the father would determine a time and whatever that time was the guardian would be with him until that time and then whether they were 12 or 16 or 18 or whatever that time was he would no longer need the guardian and he would be recognized as a man with all of the rights and the responsibilities thereof and so it, it was at that point at that time everything changed and Paul says that until the time came that we became adults, that we trusted in Jesus by faith, before then we were still in slavery to the elements of the world. We had this guardian over us when we were enslaved to our passions and we were enslaved to our lusts and we were enslaved to our pride, we were enslaved to our sin. But our guardian, the law, was there to say, that's sin, don't do that. Avoid these things, and he was pointing us to Jesus. But if you never come to the point of trusting in Jesus by faith to save you, then you're still that child. You're still in slavery to sin. And that's where some of you are today. That's your heritage. The good news is that God is calling you out of that today. That he has made the way of salvation for you through his son, Jesus. And you don't have to remain in your sin. You don't have to remain in slavery to sin. You can have a different heritage. And that's what Paul is pointing them to in this passage. The heritage of the gospel. Beginning in verse 4. Now when you choose the path of of the law the heritage is bondage to works but if you choose the path of the gospel then you're given a a different heritage you're set free from trying to earn the love of god you receive this good news that god does love you even when you're a sinner and you trust in jesus by faith for forgiveness, for salvation. And the Bible says that when we do that, that we are washed clean, we are made right before God. And so when your hope is in the gospel, you're going with the gospel and the heritage of the gospel, what Paul says is adoption into God's family. In verse four and five, he says, when the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, To redeem those under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. So he's making a comparison here. He says, just like a, a father would set a time that you would no longer need the guardian, that you would become a man, he says, God also had a time. And when that time came to completion, he sent his son into the world to make the way of salvation, so that we would no longer need the guardian, and we would grow into adulthood. By faith in the Son of God. He says that when Jesus came, he was born under the law. In that way, he was just like us. Because we're born under the law. But Jesus was different from us. Because he never broke the law. Jesus kept this law perfectly. He never had to hide anything. He never had to... Justify anything. He never had to move the goalpost. He he didn't have to do any of that stuff because he met the standard of the law. He was without sin in his perfection. And so Paul says he was born under the law so that he would redeem those who were under the law. That's us. All of us who fall short of the glory of God. All of us who say, I can never ever reach that standard. We are the ones who are enslaved to sin and we need this redemption. But that's exactly why Jesus came. He came to redeem us through his death on the cross, through his resurrection from the dead. And it was on the cross where he paid the price for our sin. And all of the sin of the world was placed upon his shoulders. And God's judgment against the sin of the world was poured out upon Jesus on the cross. And he took all of it Upon himself, and he died because the penalty for our sin is death. He paid the debt in full. But on the third day, he rose from the dead, conquering sin, conquering that death for us, so that we could be forgiven of our sins, so that we could be washed clean because of what he did. And we must simply put our faith in Jesus to save us. He says he came to redeem those under the law so that we would receive the adoption as sons. C.S. Lewis explained it like this. He said, the son of God became a man so that he could enable men to become sons of God. When we are in Christ, and Paul's been using that sort of language throughout this letter that we would be in Christ. When we are in Christ, then we are made right with God first of all and then second of all we're adopted into his family a common story i've heard from families who have who have adopted children into their home is this that the child will feel the need to do things in order to win the favor or the approval of their new parents, right? They feel like they have to do a lot of things so that their parents will love them because they, they feel like maybe they don't deserve to be there. They don't deserve, you know, this love from their new family. And what these parents are teaching these children who have been adopted into their home is you don't have to do those things for us to love you. It's great that you want to clean your room. It's great that you want to, you know, do all those sort of things. But we love you no matter what. And we love you because you're our child. You're one of us. And the good thing about being adopted into the family of God is that you don't have to work to try and prove that you belong. You already belong because you're part of the family. In John chapter 6, verse 28 and 29, the Bible says, What can we do to perform the works of God, they ask? And Jesus replied, This is the work of God, that you believe in the one he has sent. They said, We, we want to do all these works. We want to do all these things so that God would, would love us. He goes, This is, this is the work. Believe. <laughs> believe in the gospel. Believe in, in me. And so we belong because we believe. And the works that we do are not to curry our Father's love and to uh, to earn, you know, His his acceptance. They're done because we love our Father and we want to honor Him. It's coming from a different place. And so verses 6 and 7, Paul says to them, because your sons... God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so that you're no longer a slave, but you're a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir. Imagine him saying these words to a group of people who didn't come up in that Jewish heritage. They didn't have this background of knowing Yahweh. And he says to them, listen, you're sons. You belong. You're part of the family he says, because we're sons, we have this loving relationship with God. He's not some far-off deity that we're trying to pacify through sacrifices and rituals. He's one in which we are crying out, Abba, Father. One commentator says, Abba is an Aramaic affectionate term for father that was used in the intimacy of the family circle. He says that, that we... Call God Abba because we're in that family circle, that we're in, inside that household. And he points to this sign. The sign that Paul points the Galatians to is the Holy Spirit. He says, we receive the Holy Spirit at salvation, and he is the proof that you belong. God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts because you are sons, so the Holy Spirit is a sign that you are a son. And we cry out just like Jesus did, Abba, Father. And he says that when you are in this tight circle, when you're in this family, you're no longer enslaved, but you're now part of the master's household. And this is an incredible thing that Paul is sharing with them. It's that God doesn't just justify us, declaring us to be righteous because of the blood of Jesus I mean that that would be enough (laughs) I mean that's pretty incredible right that God would send his son Jesus to pay the price for our sins so that by faith we could be forgiven and we could be made right and declared righteous before God but he goes further than that by not only declaring us right but by making us children in his own family So it's not only that we're not condemned, but we're also now accepted. That we are receiving the inheritance of an heir of God. And that our status has been changed forever. Jonathan Edwards described it like this. He says, by Christ's purchasing redemption, two things are intended. His satisfaction and his merit. The one pays our debt. And so satisfies. The other procures our title and so merits. The satisfaction of Christ is to free us from misery. But the merit of Christ is to purchase happiness for us. And so because our status has been changed, we are sons of God in Christ Jesus. We're also now, he says, heirs in God's family. So you're no longer a slave, but you're a son. And if you're a son, he says, God has made you an heir. And that, my friends, is the heritage that the gospel gives you. Say, what is your heritage? That you are now a member of the household of God. You sit at the banquet table with Christ. You have a room in his father's house. You have a future with God. And so today I want you to answer the question in your heart, what is your heritage? There are some here today who need to receive the heritage of the gospel. You recognize today that perhaps you're trying to do this by your works, you're following that heritage of the law and that what that heritage gives you is bondage, that you're never set free from those works, that you're always trying to measure up but you never quite get there. And you recognize that, you feel it in your heart. You know that that there's something more, that there's something different, that you need something to to, to bring you into relationship with God and that something is Jesus. Jesus came to the earth to do what you couldn't do. He met that standard perfectly. But even so, he died on the cross in your place to pay the price for what you've done. He paid your debt, but rose from the dead on the third day so that you could receive his life, so that you could receive forgiveness from your sins, so that you could be declared right with God. But not only that, he comes to give you a heritage, and that heritage is that you would become part of his family, adopted into the family, and that you would be an heir just like Christ. And so today, that, that gift of salvation can, can be realized in your heart. It comes simply by believing that you would turn from your sins and believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he did die in your place, and that you trust in him as your Savior, and you're going to follow him as your Lord as the king of your life. There may be some who need to make that decision this morning. And if that's the so, in a minute we're going to stand and sing and there's going to be leaders right here at the front. And they're there to talk with you, to pray with you, to to encourage you, to help you to understand this this calling. And so this is the decision that you need to make. I want to encourage you to come during this time of, of response. There may be some that are watching online and you say, this is something that I need to do. I'm not in the room. What do I need to do? Grab your phone right now and text the word DECIDE to the number 865-234-3241. And that will let us know this is a decision that you want to make. and gives us a chance to follow up with you and talk with you about a relationship with Jesus. Christians, this morning, what incredible news that Paul shares with us. That we are sons of God and heirs in God's family. That we're no longer slaves but we're heirs. We're no longer slaves to sin, so we don't need to live like we're still slaves to sin. We've been set free by the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in the Spirit and to follow after Christ as sons. We work for the Lord, not to earn our salvation, but because we love God and want to honor him. And so maybe today you want to spend some time There at your seat, here at this altar, praising God, thanking him that you're an heir, that you're part of his family, that you belong, and that you will receive this heritage from the Lord. Let's stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. God, we thank you today for this good gift, this heritage of the gospel, that we get to become part of your family, Family. God, it would be more than enough just to be declared right, just to not be condemned, just to to miss hell. But God, you go further than that and you adopt us into your family as your children, and we receive heaven. We receive this heritage of the gospel to sit at your table, to have a room in your house. So God, we thank you and praise you today for the good gifts of salvation that you give to us. God, may we walk as sons and heirs. May we walk in the power of the spirit to serve you each day, to honor you with our lives and to share this good news that isn't just for us, but it's for everybody, that they could be called sons of God in Christ if they would place their faith in Jesus to save them from their sins. And God, we know that there may be people in the room even right now that need to make that decision in their heart. And So God, I pray that they would come, that they would declare their need for you and call on you for forgiveness and for salvation today. God, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen.